Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Welcome to our third Super Bowl roundtable episode on the CMO podcast. Since the inception of this podcast, it has become tradition for us to dedicate an episode to the marketing behind the Super Bowl every year after the big game. Not only is the Super Bowl the biggest sporting event in America, it has also become one of the most important marketing events of the year for brands big and small. An enormous amount of creativity, planning, and thought goes into the commercials you see during the game. And each year, I sit down with some of the best minds in advertising to talk about the work behind the ads, the effect they had on the audience, and the discussions they spark. You'll hear two separate panels on this episode with a lineup just as impressive as the athletes who played during the big game. For panel one, joining me will be Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, chairman of VaynerX, Benoit Garb, global CMO, Anheuser-Busch, Todd Kaplan, VP head of marketing for PepsiCo, the halftime show people, Stephanie Sherman, CMO of DraftKings, and Rafiq Lawandi, head of marketing, Hormel Foods, and the guy behind the planters ad. In this panel discussion, we discuss the standout ads, the work behind assembling the halftime show, where the consumer focus is these days, and the importance of brand strategy. Here's my panel one conversation on the CMO podcast. Welcome everyone to the Super Bowl panel. We have Gary, who's going to join us, Benoit from AB InBev. We have Todd from Pepsi, Stephanie from DraftKings, Rafiq from Planters Hormel. And we're going to meet each one of our panelists with this quick speed introduction. And I need you to be really brief and really crisp and really good. But I'm going to ask you for your favorite ad slash idea from the Super Bowl that was not from your brand. So, Benoit, since we go back a long way, I'm going to start with you. And you had what? You had every other ad in the Super Bowl. So, and we'll talk about that later. Very much. Good to see you, Jim. Uh, and Jim and I have known each other for a long time, so pleasure to, to be with you. Um, so I'm, I'm the CMO uh, at uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, in the US. I joined the company about a, a year and a half ago. I was uh, initially the chief strategy officer. Um, and indeed, I'm very fortunate to run uh, an amazing portfolio, which um, has a very a lot of traction at Super Bowl, uh, where we play so many of our brands. Uh, to your question, favorite ads, um, Google Pixel 6 really captured my, my attention. Uh, Jim, you and I have done a lot of work on purpose. Right? For me, it was a technology in service of purpose. So a beautiful way of uh, having technology play a role in making a, a more inclusive world. So beautiful, beautiful campaign, but also beautiful technology. Todd Kaplan, favorite ad that was not your, your company's and why? Yeah. 
Um, I'd say I loved the um, Larry David um, crypto ad. Um, and I just, I just find him so funny. I mean, he's just the whole ad just himself just uh, hates everything. And I thought it was just a clever take on how a lot of people view um, this as a fad and it's not. So uh, that was great. Stephanie from DraftKings. Hi, everyone. Uh, Stephanie Sherman, uh, CMO at DraftKings. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Um, you know, Coinbase just certainly thought that, uh, you know, the uh, attention grabbing, but also, um, you know, really response oriented tie through into, um, you know, the, the sort of contest promotional landing experience. So, um, you know, in totality, uh, certainly um, caught my eye and, and has everyone talking. And finally, Rafiq, are you with us? I'm with you. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we sure can. Great to be here with you. Um, I'm jumping right in. I, I think actually our, our choices are pretty close. I love the courage of Coinbase. I think in a time where everybody kind of applied the same playbook this year, particularly, they, it takes a lot of courage on the biggest stage of the world. So that one was definitely a favorite. And building on Benoit, I also believe kind of in, in purpose. And I think Expedia actually did their fair of storytelling and did a, did a good job there as well. So those are a couple of my favorite. A personal question for you, Rafiq. Are you a one-nut guy or a together-nut guy? I'm a one-nut guy for sure, and that's the, the winning vote. So uh, 53%, I think, voted for a one-nut. It was a, quite a tight debate. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Hey, Gary, welcome to the group. Gary, your agency did a whole bunch of Super Bowl ads this year, maybe the most you've ever done. I don't know. You can tell us. I'd like your take on the entire body of work what did you what stood out what were the themes what were the highlights what's this tell us about brands consumers society at large i think that hi everybody so nice to be here i'm actually in your old uh stomping grounds gym i'm sorry i'm five minutes late i was finishing up a proctor meeting i'm in the building i'm glad um, to hear that um here's here are my couple takes uh uh i i'm with step I, coinbase would have been my answer if you asked me the question because it was utility. I've long believed that we're missing out on opportunity on utility. Staff and DraftKings also leaned into utility. We last year with our Miracle Grow used utility, text us, first party data. I, I, here's my take. I think we as a collective industry are making a massive mistake, Jim. Um, I think we're leaning too much into celebrity. I think people would, you know, I, what, what do I do for a living? Why have things gone okay for me in seeing things early. I'm a consumer anthropologist. I read an ungodly amount of consumer feedback. And I don't come from the lens that the industry does on a subjective call of like, you know, all the trades today are like, what was the best ad? And or like basic data, like just the hashtag. It's all qualitative feedback that I spent. I spent an ungodly amount of time reading and reading and reading. I don't think uh here's one. I'm you know, I don't even know the Larry David company. Me, right now. I do not know. If you told me you'd give me the New York Jets right now and told me what company did Larry David do the ad for, I don't know as I sit here right now. FTX, thank you. Matt Sinemer, always got my back. Um, so I think we lean way too much into celebrity. I think uh, when I think about what we did with DraftKings together, standing up, you know, Lady Fortune, I think we need to go back into Leo Burnett in the 60s. Everybody remembers Larry David. Everybody remembers the celebrities, but people forget the brands associated with. I felt we leaned too much into John Travolta last year. 
with miracle. Like I just think that it is a, so my overall sentiment and what does it say is I think we're lazy. I think it's easy to pay a bag to a celebrity and try to do that. I, I actually really do. And I'm not coming with any, like, I just think we're, we're missing, we're missing something. We're missing something. I think the young LeBron, I just saw a comment. I'm mobile. I'm getting all the updates one by one. Like I thought it was, I think there's a lot of clever stuff going on, but I really believe that people are remembering LeBron and young LeBron. I think the emergence of celebrity in our culture has actually been propped up by brands who are building up the celebrities more than bringing up their work. Like to Pepsi Co's credit, you think back to the Michael Buble execution, that was brilliant because that was like a very smart way to get a lot of awareness for bubbly. Like that, like that, if we can get really good at, seems right, but just random celebrity execution. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Coinbase being utility, too much use on celebrity. My standpoint is, we have a ways to go as an industry and we can be dramatically more thoughtful about actually driving our business instead of trying to win the award by making the funniest SNL, half SNL, half commercial skit in the industry. I really believe that. Ari, you're sounding like a PNG guy, you know, sitting there in the building at PNG, you sound like a PNG, well-trained PNG brand manager. You know what it is? I think the one thing that everybody I hope has appreciated in our 13 years of Bainerland is like, we want to drive the business. We really do. Like we grow our businesses. We really do. And we believe in creativity the most. We believe in Super Bowl the most. I think we can be stronger. I really do believe we've gotten a little too celebrity. I, I think the things we all love, all of us on this call, brand equity, storyteller, it, some of the stuff people have mentioned, it's right. But I'm telling you, normal human beings, normal human beings, aren't capturing the stuff that we get taught about with brand. They're remembering Larry David. I'm yep. telling you. Yep. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMO succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. All right, Benoit, AB and Bev, largest advertiser in the game. I think it's six ads, ads, six ads. It may be a record for AB and Bev. So I just want you to tell us: Did you have a fun day on Sunday, or was it a nervous day? Um, I had a very pleasant day. Everything was loaded and ready to go. So. Um... And listen, it, it was just a reflection of uh, where we're going as a company. So we, we had six spots, but really reflective of where we're going with our portfolio. So you've already seen, right? Uh, an amazing spot on Budweiser. So Gary, thank you to your team. Thank you. So celebrating our, you know, our core brand with Budweiser. But you've seen also kind of a, a more premium business and our Beyond Beer business. So introduction of cut water at Super Bowl, the first ready-to-drink cocktails. And of course, a beautiful spot with uh, Michelob Ultra. So Gary, a lot of celebrities in the Michelob Ultra, but a, a beautiful film and, and beautiful story as well. And, and just to add on, I'm sorry to interrupt, Jim, but like kudos to Budweiser just happened long before we got the chance to play this year. Like they own that Clydesdale. Like that is IP. And as now we go into Web3 and IP and Todd, who's on this call at the forefront with some of the NFT stuff we're doing together and Budweiser, and as you know, Pedro's running around and I'll be very happy with the Budweiser and Bud Light stuff. You know, I really call out again the Leo Burnett thing. Like, 
I'm telling you, a lot of people on this call um, really start need to start thinking about building their own characters, their own IP, the Clydesdales. It's really ownership instead of renting. Um, and I, I, I thank Steph for giving us that opportunity with DraftKings. And I think we can build from this starting point. And while before we leave you, you had a real surge of creativity at the Super Bowl this year. What's one tip to our listeners about keeping creativity at a high level across so many brands? Strategy. Know what you're trying to do. And then the brief is tighter and, and you know exactly the job to be done. So I would argue we were very clear on what the brand stood for and, and what message we needed to deliver. So strategy. Todd, let's stay on this strategy and creativity theme. In my household, there were a lot of, oh my God, this is the best halftime show ever. <laughs> and my anecdotal research since then has been best ever. So we would like to know, does Todd at Pepsi think this was the best ever halftime show? Um, of course I do. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I, no, we had, a, we had a ton of fun this year with the halftime show. And uh, I think, as you guys know, this is a last few years, we've really tried to reinvent the platform by bringing in Rock Nation with the NFL and really, you know, from J-Lo and Shakira all the way till now to really drive more of a cultural conversation. And in the last couple of years, we've really made a shift to make it a, uh, to turn the 12 minute performance into a 12 month long campaign. And so, you know, we started talking about it in the fall when we announced the talent, which was a big moment. And then, um, we built this, uh, trailer. We partnered with F Gary Gray, this uh, acclaimed filmmaker who he's done straight out of Compton Friday, fast and furious. And we made the, we made a trailer like of movies scale, you know, to promote this thing. And then even, a an app as well, which I don't know if any of you on the, on the zoom here participated in the app on this game day experience where, uh, you could literally teleport yourself onto the stage as the show was happening. It was just a really cool second screen add-on experience. So we've really uh, established us as a, as a platform for the brand. Uh, back to, you know, Gary, what you were talking about, about brand position and, and where it can help. You know, for a brand like Pepsi, we're a brand that's all about what we call unapologetic enjoyment. And um, seeing, you know, everything from the smile on Dr. Dre's face and Mary J. Blige getting into it all the way to hearing these stories of people dancing in their living rooms and their couches and all of that. It is the best manifestation of unapologetic joy. You know, J-Lo and Shakira a couple of years ago, celebrating their culture on stage, celebrating hip hop on the stage. Um, it's just a really powerful platform when we get it right. Did everything go as planned in the live show? Um, yeah, for the most part, you know, I mean, you always see things here and there, <laughs> for the most part, it's, it was, I mean, we were very happy with, uh, with was, everything, yeah, you know, that, the surprise with 50 cents started to leak a day or so early, but we were, uh, we were good. We're very happy. So I asked Ben, well, how do you keep, keep creativity at such a high level? This show just gets better and better all the time. And you leverage the heck out of it in such a good way. How what's your tip in keeping creativity at a high level in a company? Yeah, you gotta keep, um, you gotta keep pushing, you know, cause it's easy to get complacent. I'll tell you, um, a hundred percent of what we've done with this show has been beyond kind of the guardrails of what, the contract or piece of paper, you know, that we, we signed years ago gets us, right? And we push the NFL, we push Rock Nation, we push the artists, push our own organization to get comfortable with stuff. And I think it really starts with having that kind of peripheral vision of where do you think it can go? What can it be? Um, this is the last 12 minutes of just, you know, real-time cultural where the world is looking at one thing together that if people disagree on football or what sport, everyone loves music. And it's one of the last great... Um, emotive things that as marketers, if you're trying to tap into emotional, you know, areas, Pepsi has such a great heritage there. And um, we've really started to kind of find our mojo and, uh, and tap into that in a great way. 
All right, Stephanie, were you betting during the game? Uh, my my uh, betting that day was uh, on you know making sure we were having uh, re- record days um, record days uh, internally. So just such an exciting moment uh, for uh, sports betting in general. Um, really was just you know it was our our second year back uh, in um, in the in the Super Bowl and just such a such a great moment, such a great year really uh, with with sports betting on on the national stage. It was such an interesting idea and such a compelling spot with a call to action. So tell us a bit about your strategy and objective behind. Benoit just talked about it's all about strategy. Tell us about your strategy and objective behind this concept. And did you feel like you nailed it? Yes. So very exciting. So this year, um, strategy was oriented around really introducing this new character, Goddess of Fortune. Um, and really embodying and personifying, um, you know, this brand belief that uh, working with Gary and, and VaynerMedia and the team um, is sort of personifying this, you know, uh, life's more fun when it's a gamble, sort of the thrill of having something on the line um, and really sort of bringing that in conjunction with uh, the ability that we have uh, as, um, as a sports betting company to really engage in that moment. Um, in the big game, uh, which is I think, unique uh, to, to, to sports betting. So I'm um, really wanting to introduce this character, this brand belief was, was the ultimate goal. And I think it wasn't just about that moment um, in the game. It was really the, the leading up to it, the teaser, the sort of, you know, Snapchat lenses while it was going on. So really that um, holistic campaign and, um, you know, in, in partnership with uh, the VaynerMedia team, just the social engagement we saw was, was off the charts. Um, you know, in and around, which was exciting to see, not just, uh, you know, some of the, the betting content, but around some of the promotional mechanic um, that, again, really we wanted to lean into to, to embody that thrill of, of, of laying something on the line. Did you get any good advice from Joe Namath in the process? <laughs> um, you know, be bold, be bold. Uh, and <laughs> that's, uh, that's Confident? <laughs> so, Rafiq, let's bring you into this. We, we already talked about are you a one nut at a time or an all together. I mean, such a cool idea and, and so grounded, I think, in a consumer insight. So I'd like you to tell us a bit about the, the origin of that, that idea. What insight is it based upon? And tell us a bit about the evolution of the idea. Um, would love to. Um, it is actually really uh, kudos to, you know, Vayner and, and they're actually their volume model. So last year, we spent a lot of time actually leveraging the volume model, but making sure that we're leveraging it via, you know, a, a clear content strategy that reflects our purpose and strategy. And one of the pillars was really around snacking. And the team back in September experimented with this idea around, you know, how do you eat mixed And so kind of the results that we saw this, you know, in Super Bowl with, you know, all the excitement and discussion and debate was actually kind of expected because we tried it before on a smaller scale in volume model back in September. And so we knew exactly that we were kind of up to something interesting and people got very passionate about how to eat it. Like we'll see, you know, people reflecting on like, oh, we have this conversation all the time amongst our family, or we just had that conversation yesterday when eating our nuts. And our objective was really to, I mean, I think we took similar to a lot of other companies, a levity approach to this Super Bowl particularly. And so we wanted to just really ignite the love behind our uh, mixed nuts and, and really generate a nice conversation there. And so I think Ken and Joel, uh, were a smart choice in terms of you know just the humor and the you know the fun that they're they're known to make out of the you know each other um, to really just hear the debate. But it was really 
different for us because it was also focused on the snack and the product versus previous years where we were more uh, focused on, you know, Mr. Peanut and the mascot. And this one was really, you know, at the heart of snacking. What were you drinking during the game with your nuts? I'm an, an old PepsiCo guy, so Pepsi is, uh, <laughs> is my drink. I'm celebrating that halftime show. Again, incredible job, Todd, and, and team year on year. This continues to be a, you know, an amazing evolution. So really well done. Okay, last question, real quick one for all of you. We're only two days past the Super Bowl, but what are you talking about with your teams right now about what you've learned this year? Let's go back to Benoit. Um, the power of insight. So, uh, Rafik, I, I like what you said, but uh, uh, on cut water, I, I think we, if you've seen the spot, right? So to the crazy, to the crazy ones, um, was really, really on the inside of consumers want a great cocktails, but they don't often have the time, the energy, the know-how to make a great cocktails. So we pivoted from a strategy which was on-the-go cocktails to, you know, be smarter and just have a ready-to-drink cocktails whenever you want it. So again, powerful consumer understanding and insight. Learning, Todd, you're talking about with your team two days after. Yeah, I think it's just continuing to think beyond the known platforms, right? Like everybody goes right to Twitter and fights it out. And, and listen, and we, we do quite well. We had the number one share of voice this year again with the Twitter brand bowl and all that. But getting into this app was a very new domain for us. We built an app and it was the number three app globally on all of the app store, you know, more than Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and everything, which is crazy when you think about it. And we don't know anything about apps. We obviously, we do now, but, um, but you know, and so um, continuing to push and try new things, I think is really important, you know, as we're doing it from content creation models, we're doing all the way into uh, the metaverse, right? And so just as a marketer, you gotta be one or two steps ahead and constantly and, learning. And, 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 and Todd, yeah. we, had mul- we had multiple TikToks with 15 plus million organic reach as subtle compliments, not interpretation, not matching luggage to the halftime yep. show, but different consumer relevant plays. That's right. A humongous opportunity for everybody on this call. That's right. right real fast. Piece of advice, Rafiq, on learning this year, and then we'll close. We're already uh, starting Stephanie. to write our next Super Bowl uh, brief. Um, our focus next year wants to be more on quality connections and really data collection for sure, mm. um, and, and really doubling down there. So we're excited to, to get to, to a, a good place. Stephanie. Uh, continuing on the theme of customer centricity, just really listening, understanding, understanding building, um, and continuing uh, to evolve and learn from what we see in the data. Thank you, all of you. That was a great discussion full of insight and on-point observations. Some of my standout takeaways, Gary's take on the work that needs to be done by brands to establish their own brand identity and point of view. Lots of brands are choosing celebrity attention, which is a bit of a sugar high. Heading into panel two, I'm joined by Anda Ganska, CEO of Notch, the content intelligence platform, Andrea Zaretsky, CMO of E-Trade, Dana Marino, CMO of Rakuten, Yvonne Kinzer, VP Marketing and Innovation for Avocados from Mexico, and Allison Witherspoon, CMO of Nissan. This discussion will focus on content strategy and creating awareness in the weeks before your ad airs and after airing to continue the conversation around your brand. Here's my panel two conversation on the CMO podcast. I just want to take a moment here for us to recognize we're doing a Super Bowl panel of top advertisers, and it's all women on this panel. Hmm. So bravo. Well done. We're making progress.
So I want to do a little bit of a speed date here so we get to know each other. So the question I want you to introduce yourself with is, what was your major piece of learning this year in the preparation and execution of your Super Bowl idea? Andrea, why don't we start with you? Hi, Jim. Hi, everybody. Um, it's a great question. I think what we did that was unique this year was a teaser strategy, which forced us to work much earlier in terms of scheduling and really draw out a, you know, a more fulsome strategy. So I think um, you know, that's definitely something that we would consider leaning into. Again, if, if, the, if the news is right. Okay, Dana. Nice to meet you. I'm Dana Marino, CMO of Rocket. Um, we also, Andrea, had the teaser strategy that was new. And as a note, um, I said in our room, this was our first Super Bowl ever. So um, certainly something um, to a le- lot of learning, Jim, on our side of mm-hmm. doing it for the first time. And as I said earlier, we have a uh, in-house team. We do not have an advertising agency. So first time Super Bowl with an in-house team. So a lot of learning, a lot of things I do again, a lot of things I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, we also implied uh, we did the teaser strategy. So that sort of requires a whole content strategy ahead of time. So certainly something we were very thoughtful about. And we honestly were shocked and sort of loved how many teasers there were. And there was so, so much fun there, the anticipation of that. And again, as it was our first one, what day do we do it? When will other people do it? How will we know? Is this a good idea? This day, that day, two weeks, one week, you know, just a lot of sort of mishmash around trying to figure out when. And and I'd say also the PR machine, like really activating press, um, all of that, I think, really made a difference for us. We had 11 million views on our YouTube, on our teaser uh, before we even dropped anything. So that, that I think, to me, is a great learning around how to do content strategy, right? And, you know, we were sort of learning as we go. So for sure. Yvonne from Avocados from Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, last year we took a break after six years of being in the Super Bowl just to see um what what should we do differently how we can come back next year with um a new approach and it was not at all because of the pandemic it was just to uh, reassess the reason why we were coming to this super bowl um coincidentally i was last year listening to a podcast where gary binerchuk was actually speaking with um rachel typograph and they were talking about the lack of connectivity in Super Bowl campaigns and how, yes, it has been a creative showcase for so many years, but but where's the connectivity and where, how is, how are brands going, taking advantage of the Super Bowl platform to take the retailer space and and, and gain a, a, a visibility for their products in the digital shell. And I remember that moment, I said, we have to do that. We were already launching a very robust digital campaigns, but we said, um, I remember Gary saying, one day, one advertiser is going to come and take over that space. And I remember I'm, I'm texting my CEO and I say, it has to be us. And, and we did. We did. Uh, we came with a new approach called Brand Formance. Um, the Super Bowl typically has been a brand effort, but we say, let's go with a brand performance efforts and let's take the space in walmart.com and Kroger.com and let's make all our branded assets shoppable. And we did with a partnership with Micmac and did all, put all the, the ads shoppable. We deliver 3 billion impressions um, based on the, the industry. Um, analytic platforms, and most of those were shoppable. 
um, I was commenting in my in, in my in the previous room in this um, um, conference how I'm surprised that the industry instead of moving forward and actually talking about who was connected, how, how big was the connectivity in this Super Bowl, nobody has mentioned nothing. The conversation is still about celebrities and uh, the best Super Bowl spot, which is it's great. I, I love uh, we love creativity, but it's very subjective. And nobody has mentioned nothing about that connectivity, um, the, the, the penetration of the retail spaces in the Super Bowl, which is basically where is the future for brands to be built um, in the ecosystem, in the retail ecosystem. That conversation is like nowhere. So I'm, I'm very surprised for that. Um, but I'm sure that is there in the future. We're talking about QR codes today. Uh, I'm sure next year we're going to be talking about connectivities in the retail. I hope so. I hope so. Allison at Nissan, your major learning this year. I think very similar to what Dana and Andrea said. I think, you know, the importance of the content strategy, especially leading up to the game. I, I was saying in, in the breakout room earlier, we knew our ad wasn't going to run until the fourth quarter. And that's a little bit of a risk, um, just depending how the game goes, which you can't predict. Um, and so I think this was a big learning for us to make sure that we get out in front early. We deliberately started teasing this kind of faux movie, um, which captured a lot of attention. And I, I think the other thing is working very, very closely with our corporate communications team on how can we start to get that that PR and that press buzz out there as well. So making sure that we're doing that not only through paid media, but also through um, earned media as well. Your spot was amazing. Yeah, thank it you. was. Thanks. Now we'll talk about that later. Hey, uh, mm -hmm. thank you for, I want to now go to Anda for the last introduction. And Anda, I'd like to ask you a different question. You're from Notch, our brand you know, content expert here. I'd love you to helicopter up. What do you feel about the body of work this year? What's it signaling about what's going on in brand building? What does it signal for the future? So we'd love to get your insights on the totality of the work. Yeah, I mean, look, a, a big reason why we exist and why we are successful in our work is just the idea of full-touch attribution for content. And I think that leads to what both Yvonne and Allison were saying, the importance of having really integrated campaigns that start before, continue during, and continue after. Um, and I think when I, when I take a step back, what we're really talking about the most is either the celebrity ads that realistically, you know, many of them were not integrated and did not have a ton of strategy around it outside of just the celebrity, or we're talking about Coinbase, which was the most direct response uh, campaign, right? And the reality is that especially for a higher consideration product, like a financial product, you need to have content before, you need to have content after. You know, what we're seeing, we're working with another advertiser who... Um, has been creating content within the financial space for a while, trying to sell a, a loan product. And what we're seeing is that when people are already qualified, you know, probably midway through the customer journey, it takes about 13 days and 10 content assets to convert them to an actual uh, relevant event. But when they're not, it takes about 34 days. Um, and so it's really important to realize that even though we're all talking about the direct response QR code and how nostalgic that was, at the end of the day, even though apparently there were 21 million people who actually went through and scanned that code, which is pretty crazy. Um, but at the end of the day, how many of those are going to become good customers? And what, what stage are they in when they're scanning that QR code? Do they even know anything about crypto? Or should we have tried to really mm -hmm. preempt it and maybe create a campaign that deals more with content and educating people who are scanning that QR code? So that was my, my observation. I don't think we got it right. I don't think any, anyone 
uh, sort of brand got it completely right in terms of the perfect alignment of, of uh, content to performance. But I, I do think that the conversation is the right conversation. Oh, fabulous advice. Hey, Andrea, I want to come back to you. Uh, you're a CMO podcast alum, alumni. So thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for bringing the baby back in such a charming way. And my question is, why did the baby come back? And why did the baby leave yeah. in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I-, I was talking with the group previously, you know, as we consider participation in the, in the Super Bowl each year, we think through what is our story and do we have new news to share? And the new news really for us this year is that E-Trade is now part of Morgan Stanley. And we felt there was no better way um, to introduce um, those brands coming together than to bring back an old friend, which was the baby. It's been eight years, uh, so almost a decade since the baby retired. And I think we had some fun, um, you know, talking about the State of the Union and how, you know, the baby really is needed right now. The world needs the baby more than ever um, to make sure uh, to help and partner with people as they look to take charge of their financial lives. So we just felt it was a good time for the narrative. And I have to tell you, it was a a lot of fun uh, to bring the baby back. And, you know, the baby is continuing in social media. There's baby TikTok. Uh, we're on Instagram, um, so we're going to continue to have fun with this character and help and help really have the baby help us tell the narrative of what added value is now available to clients of E-Trade due to Morgan Stanley. I must say the technology of the baby has gotten better since eight years ago, too. <laughs> so Same voice, same director. Yeah, yeah. Dana. Better CGI. Yeah. Dana at Rakuten, it's your first Super Bowl ad, and it's Hannah Waddingham's first Super Bowl ad, the star on Ted Lasso, and yes. she is so good. So tell us how you came to decide to advertise in the Super Bowl and how you came to decide to work with Hannah. I love it. Both fun questions. How we decided to do the Super Bowl, um, I'd say for the last two years, we have been undergoing a brand evolution over Rakuten. You may know that Rakuten acquired Ebates. And mm-hmm. so the name change and the rebrand from Ebates to Rakuten, step one. And then our team came in to do a true overhaul of brand identity and brand design and voice and personality work and creative platform, all the things we marketers love so much. It's been about an 18-month process. Um, and we, you know, as all of us, our dreams come true as, you know, the biggest stage there is, is the Super Bowl. So the way we thought about it is, it's the exclamation point of what, we, what is a two-year process from when we acquired Ebates and what a great place to do that and you know, claim that leadership position in our category on the Super Bowl. So that was sort of where that came from. It's just around brand evolution and sort of the time to make our mark. And as I was saying earlier, a lot of people have heard of Rakuten. Most people don't know what Rakuten is. So another place, yet again, we wanted to do a spot that was both um, you know, awareness building and educational about what is this thing. I see it on the Golden State Warriors. I see it on FC Barcelona. It seems like a big name. I've heard of it. I went to Japan one time, right? But what is that thing, right? So we thought the Super Bowl was the perfect place to do that. Um, so, and I hope you agree. And Hannah, uh, oh my God, she is so extraordinary. I, I have nothing but amazingness to say about her. We really did craft that role for her, I will tell you, we, you know, all of us, I, I think I said before, we don't have an advertising agency. It was all of us in our huddle here in our San Francisco office dreaming about who could play um, that character and that sort of villainous antagonist to the savvy shopper who shops with Rakuten, right? So we all, of course, are Ted Lasso fans. We're all kind of obsessed. I will say I am obsessed. And she is so dreamy, so beautiful, so smart, extraordinary, and so great to work with. 
we just had to have her and she was the one. We, there were not, not backup, you know, that moment where we're like, who are our backups? No backups. It had to be her. All right, Allison, you had a pretty good celebrity as well, who is very well integrated <laughs> into your idea. So could you tell us a bit about the strategy and insight behind that crazy, funny, wonderful <laughs> idea slash spot? With the, with the incomparable Eugene Levy. Oh, yeah, right. Um, for, yeah. Uh, first of all, Dane, I have to tell you, I used to live in Japan and I, I was it was really nice to see Rakuten in the Super Bowl. I, I loved it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I for us, we we were wanting to tell we are, you know, very similar to what we've been talking about. We've we Nissan were also on the transformation. And I think the biggest part is is through our products. And we have a massive product offensive that we've been going through over the last couple of years. And we have two models coming out this year with the the all-new Nissan Z and the all-new all-electric Nissan Aria. So we knew that we wanted to talk about those two products, but we wanted to tell how one thrilling drive could change everything. And so we wanted to, we thought, what what better way than to say, to show somebody that you're not expecting to see turn in and kind of evolve into this badass superhero. And when I saw the script, there was somebody else that was in there um, and I, I didn't feel that it was quite right. And then I, you know, I, I'm a huge Schitt's Creek fan, just like everyone else. And, and it was, it's, this is Eugene. This is, this is Eugene Levy. He's the perfect person to help tell that story. Yeah. Yvonne, last word to you, you're a, you were a Super Bowl advertiser every year. You took a year off, but you're back this year. Why is this so good for your business? Why do you choose to do the Super Bowl year in and year out? Look, for us, it, it's a branding strategy and when you think about how many brands are in front of the consumer when that consumer is watching that spot avocados from mexico is one of the five maybe six um you have chips you have sodas you have beer but our product we we are building a brand in a brandless category but the truth is that we don't have a package so and there's another fact that is Mexico is the only place on earth where the avocado tree has four blooms. Therefore, it's the only avocados that are available all year round. So during Super Bowl month, we have 100% of the market share. The product is in front of the consumer. And so we brand it or we don't. So it's, it's us for us to brand it or let it go. Is it truth moment and it's the most valuable truth moment of the brand. So for us, it's a must. Now, when we think about a, a small brand like ours, what, why we want to go to the Super Bowl? This is the biggest stage because we we use the Super Bowl TV as a hook, as, a, a, as an excuse to launch a huge PR and, and digital activation. Um, so we have a 360 campaign, very robust. But the, the consumer is looking at it because the spotlights are on the Super Bowl advertisers. We could do the same big effort without a TV and nobody will look at it. So for us, it's a very well-rounded activation. Patty Morris from State Farm, I'd like you to, to bring you into the discussion as sort of the capstone. You've been involved in Super Bowls. You've been listening to the two panels. You're an expert in this. So I'd like you to share some of your learning from Super Bowl Sunday and from, we've, from what we've just heard in this wonderful discussion. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things I'll, I'll just pull us back to for a second is what Gary said early on around 
making sure that your brand is the key takeaway. And we talked a lot about the use of celebrity and sort of don't don't confuse those two things. Um, and really trying to create a piece of brand IP um, is something that is repeatable and useful. So for us, Jake from State Farm is that piece of brand IP. And so last year, which was our first Super Bowl, um, we're in and around it in a lot of different ways. Um, but last year was the first time we were in the Super Bowl proper. Our strategy behind doing that was to make Jake from State Farm as famous as possible. So there is no other place where people care about commercials as much as they care about the event. Um, and that was the right place to do it. And we knew that if we could do that, that everything we did throughout the rest of the year and, and beyond would be more effective because people could recognize that piece of brand IP in an instant. So we did that last year, yay. Um, and as we embarked on thinking about Super Bowl this year, our strategy shifted a little bit in terms of he's, he's you know. He's famous. Know. he's famous, he's famous. Yeah, um, he's on SNL, he's in Jeopardy questions, like he's everywhere. Um, and so we've really tried to shift to how do we actually then use that piece of IP as an intangible product insurance. It's a humanization of that product. How do we use that IP now to engage with younger, younger demographics that we need to win and we need to work at um, because they don't think of us the same way boomers do. Um, how do we engage with them? So we skipped the Super Bowl, we skipped the TV portion, um, but we did have a full strategy around a TikTok challenge and Team State Farm. Um, to engage people and really get this two-way conversation happening with Jake. So we did a duet challenge for a spot in a commercial and get to meet Jake. Um, and then we also do a, a really robust brand banter campaign. Dana and I were laughing in the breakout room because Jake was um, interacting with Rakuten during the game and probably many others um, of you. Um, so we, we try to find our place in, in there and relevant in that moment. Um, in an organic way. And our TikTok is the same, like it's completely organic. We launched that um, in November and Jake immediately amassed over 200,000 followers organically. So it's a really powerful tool for us. And when you think about the efficiency then of that versus, I, mean, I know this is sacrilege, um, the cost of a Super Bowl spot and, and the effort that goes into that, we're at about a $1.67 CPM right now. Um, on our Super Bowl effort. So really Great proud story. of that and excited about it. But Great um, story. Different, different path for sure. Yeah, no, it's a different strategy and, and I'm glad we talked about that. Thank you everyone on the panel and thank you everyone who's joined us. This wraps up our third annual Super Bowl roundtable on the CMO podcast. It's incredibly satisfying to see the immense amount of work and creativity that goes into the biggest advertising event in the United States and to discuss it with these industry pros. I hope you enjoyed our roundtable and look forward to the next one when the Bengals win Super Bowl 2023. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.